Welcome to the Sioux Nation Podcast. I'm Jill Funky, Communications Manager at Sioux Nation Ag Center, and we are so glad you found us. Sit back and listen as our staff hosts welcome guests from all aspects of the livestock production industry. It's our mission at Sioux Nation to arm regional, small, and medium producers with all of the resources we can put in front of them. And now, on with the program. Hello and welcome to the Sioux Nation podcast. I'm your Sioux Nation Ag Center staff host, Jill Funky, and Sioux Nation's own Dr. Mick Harding joins us on the program to talk about wintertime herd health. Thanks for being with us today. It's my pleasure to be here. Now, Dr. Mick, as a veterinarian in the upper Midwest region, you've probably seen a lot more than your share of the challenges that these winters can put in front of our producers, right? So it's a fact of life that we're going to see Arctic blasts, frigid temperatures, life-threatening wind chills, and that blowing and drifting snow. So what I'd like to talk about today is just some of the things that we should go through. Anything that we can do ahead of time to kind of prepare for what Mother Nature is undoubtedly going to dole out at some point in the next few months. So can we start by talking about the wintering sites? What advice do you have for producers looking at where they're going to have their cattle to best get out of the lane of Mother Nature? Yeah, probably the biggest thing a person could do would be uh, windbreaks. That's a two-edged sword, too, because you get uh, massive snowfalls. You can get drifts over those, and cattle can artificially or confine themselves and crowd, get trampled and you know suffocate or whatnot. But as a rule, windbreaks, as far as uh, in most circumstances, you know, alleviate keep them comfortable, keep them off the wind, decrease their maintenance requirements. This time of year, you know, they're, as corn stalks are opening up, people will put their cattle out on corn stalks. It's great. It's a cheap way to, to run your cattle. It's probably the least energy requirements or maintenance requirements that they'll have in mid-gestation. Wind breaks is probably the biggest thing, and always keep track of that water source. If it gets real cold, we don't need that freezing, and most of this is probably ordinary husbandry that most people are aware of. You know, the most common be water and shelter from the wind. Do you have any advice that you give producers about dry lot versus field? Do you have a personal preference one way or the other, or there's some things that we should be thinking about now if that's our plan down the road? What would what do you say to producers about the wear. Personally, if we're talking about a cow herd, I kind of prefer a combination of both. I like them where they, they can come up and be fed if necessary, which would probably happen with unavailable forage. So where they can be fed and get water or access to water, but at the same time, I like them to have an opportunity to maybe open a gate and go out in corn stalks and get exercise. If they're confined, I'm talking a a cow that is maybe coming into calving. If we, we don't exercise them, they can get a little flesh put on them and make for some, actually, some calving difficulties. I'll see the worst calving calls or difficulties, you might say, in a hard winter where the cattle have to be confined. And there's just no if ands, or buts about it because you can't get out to them to feed them where you might normally graze them or winter pasture. So what can you do? As a vet, what can you do for us about the snow accumul- accumulation, Mick? Well, we, uh, yeah. We just go with it, I guess. There's not much we can do living up here. And you talked about access to water, which we know is so crucial, and the freezing that we deal with. But what about the access to feed? What would you like to say about that? We're normally talking cow herds here. On this side of the state, we'll probably have more access to forages that have harvested, silage piles, maybe 
where cows are probably fed more readily at a, at a bunk line. Free access to hay is usually there. If it's on a corn stalk type situation or bean stubble, tubs can be afforded out there or cubes to supply more of their protein source. It's an expensive way to deliver it, but it's the labor is, is down a little bit. If you price it out per gram of protein or whatever you want to do, it's probably the most expensive way to do it with a tub. Or But it is convenient, and you know they're getting with that the minerals and, and whatnot that they need. But if you're bringing them in, you can force feed them. That's where you can really supply your minerals and, and that type of stuff. So we were already talking a little bit about feed. So let's go into nutrition. It's going to be cold. It's probably going to be snowy. It's just, it's really going to not be fun for our livestock. What do you advise as far as the feed intake during those time frames when the weather is just terrible? Take a look at your feedstuffs and probably talk to a nutritionist. Maybe get some samples taken. There's some simple stuff you can do. As long as the protein requirements are met, and those will climb as we get closer to calving, and we'll usually switch to like a pre-calving type mineral that may have more of the, the chelated minerals and maybe up vitamins or whatnot for the developing calf as it gets closer to its due date. As far as the energy requirements, they're going to vary with the ambient temperature and or exposure. So there's where energy comes into play. And well, our best source of energy probably in this side of the state is corn and or corn silage. Expensive to feed, not as much as on the western part. We, We don't tend to see maybe thinner running cows just because of the access to to harvested products, you know. What do you want to say about the time of feeding? I really don't care about the time of feeding, (laughs) I guess. Uh, A lot of it's uh, dictated on the weather, of course. we got to get up and move snow. Feedlots, a different situation. The timing is critical because we are feeding a bacterial population. Cows are probably not as aggressive. It's a moderate diet, hay, corn-type diet. The main thing with a cow is don't overfeed them corn all at one time. Then we can have issues there. With the feedlot cattle, any time of year, not just wintertime, if you can feed as close, if you're feeding once or twice a day to that time frame, you do it. Less digestive problems we will have. Those are management decisions, not hard ones. Yeah, they're... They are, but they are definitely affected by weather. If you feed at 9 o'clock every morning in December, and but your first three hours of moving snow... You might the, eat a little late. Yeah, <laughs> the management decision is kind of taken away from you as That's much as true. you'd like to do it. That's a really good point. That's true. The next thing, and this is probably more on some of the management side of things, but the pen maintenance, the things that we need to consider with the pen maintenance. So sorting. So if I wanted to best utilize my facilities and do that, giving consideration to what each animal needed, what would I be looking for when I'm sorting so that I can, and I know that this has a lot to do with each operation. I'm just giving you a question and you're not even looking at one operation, but what am I looking at in sorting? Well, the main thing, I don't know if we'd necessarily talk about sorting so much as condition of the pen and the footing. We'll see a lot of uh, feet problems in the winter as the ground gets frozen and the manure can get lumpy, bumpy, and we can bruise heels, toes, whatnot, walking over the frozen ground. So a person has access to running a scraper and keeping the lot smooth, even though it is froze, 
you can actually decrease a lot of the hoof injuries that we might see. If you got to move cattle around, you might be slower in doing it. If, if you can put a little patience in your day, again, because the foot injury, slipping, bruising hips and whatnot, all those are detrimental to you know performance and can actually cause serious enough injury, get infection and can lead to death of the animal. Anything about bedding that in the pens at this time? If it gets real cold, well, a lot of people have access to corn stalks anymore. We see a lot more corn stalk bales. I don't think about bedding as much, but, uh, you know, it definitely makes them comfortable that I think about it because, you know, those bed packs, the ground will melt them. They'll, they'll almost ensile a little bit and throw some heat up from them, yeah. you know, where those cows will lay. Calves, for that matter, in the feedlot, if you got a mound in there, you can bed a side of it. Kind of a two-edged sword with some of that. If they get a deep bed pack, they'll have little burrows in it where they kind of lay, and you can get high-sided cattle that roll and can't get up, and you know, with bloats and stuff, but that can happen anywhere, but I have seen it with bed packs and stuff like that, but uh, if it gets severely cold on the ground, you know it's coming. If you can throw some corn stock bales down and make them more comfortable, gives them a place to eat and then go lay down and, and hopefully improve performance. And we talked a little bit about wind protection already. What I wanted to ask you about was there's only so much we said earlier that we can manage. So what does hypothermia look like in cattle? A lot of times we probably don't see hypothermia, the results of it, until we're working with the cattle later down the road. We end up, and probably the the smaller the beef animal, a calf versus an adult cow, um, we see the results of hypothermia later where you can have like bulls with failing semen tests because of exposure to the testicles or, you know, as veterinarians that have dealt with them, we've seen those things. You, you see frozen ears, especially on a younger calf, but you can get cold enough where it freezes the ears of adult cows. I don't know if you can necessarily battle hypothermia. The last thing you probably want to do is put them inside something and shut them up tight, then you're dealing with pneumonia right. and, and whatnot. So, the younger calves, newborn calves, if if you're calving early and it, and it hits, obviously, inside with them. Shelters, if at all. Yeah, shelters for things. a short period of time yeah. at least until the weather breaks. The wind breaks and stuff, they can be your friend in the wintertime and they can be your enemy in the summer because you know where you put them. They need that south breeze for cooling as much as they need the wind protection in the winter. So, What do you think this winter is going to be like? I don't know. <laughs> Last year, it seemed pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, we had a bunch of snow, and there's reports of some major death losses. I, I will say if anybody ever gets into a major death loss issue where you have to contact your FSA for emergency reimbursement or whatever they, they would have or dealing with insurances to take pictures, I'm kind of dealing with a deal right now where got caught with that, and there was a number of cattle that died, and Kind of did my job and went up and said, yeah, they're, they're dead, but they aren't, weren't all dug out of the snow yet. And I had no pictures, but but so if you can document, it just makes that a little easier. Hopefully it doesn't happen, but it does happen. So And usually you have your cell phone right there. So yeah, exactly. It's and, uh, my bad. I didn't think of it, and it happened. And sure. Anything else that you think that is common advice that you give or anything that you think producers should be looking at, particularly considering the past few winters we've had and what's going on in today's um, world of veterinary care? Anything we missed? 
from my standpoint, it's the time we break test a lot of cows. These feed prices and what it costs to feed a cow in a day, it's a good idea to preg test. Get the, get the open cows identified and gone. At the same time, you can pour with lice products. I know there's a lot of discouragement, even with me, with, the, with how well we perceive them to work, or some of them probably don't work. And, uh, but I can tell you, the later in the season you do it, the colder, the better efficacy you'll probably find with them if you can do them later in the season. If you're pouring them now and you expect it to last through January, probably going to be disappointed. But not saying not to do it now, but realize you may have to do it sometimes in the morning. That's, that's our big louse problem is, is in the cold. How come they don't just freeze off in the cold? I know they're just well, too close. I know, <laughs> it's but actually pretty interesting because they, they get cold and then they kind of bunch up together, the yeah. lice. Ugh. And so they go kind of through their reproductive process actually quicker, whereas when it's warm, they're spread out. Right. So they, they can really, t- it's almost, they're almost like the opposite of flies. I'm sure we'll be covering more of the parasite control down the road on other episodes yeah, and stuff yeah, too, but that's a good, that that's a really and, good reminder. And the other thing that people will see in feedlots when we usually get our, maybe our first cold snap, and I'm talking, you know, that those six, seven days in a row where the high is like zero. Uh, the feedlots, that's where we end up seeing, they're very cleansing, to put it that way, meaning our chronic calves that we've been battling pneumonia and you think they shouldn't survive, is that's kind of when they do do demise, you might say, because of the cold. They, they don't have can't the, take anymore. Well, they don't have the body yeah. fat, and right. you know they could probably live forever if you'd, and not grow if they're that sick somewhere where it's warmer but once the first cold snap is is come through it's it does tend to clean the cattle out that are chronic she might say and that's why most people that buy yearlings i usually advise them to wait to buy after the first cold snap so, so you get the good. hearty ones we right? have, they're, they're gone before you get them i know it's right. kind of cruel but that's that's really mm-hmm. what happens in well, the, it's less of a gamble hopefully right right okay right. very good we're always going to hope for a mild winter, but we always need to prepare for a harsh one. So thank you, Dr. Mick, for taking time to talk to us about winter herd health topics to try to best optimize our production strategies. And I want to thank you to our listeners for tuning in. We'll catch you next time with more guests and topics related to the current ag climate.